United States submarine base at Key West, Florida. A dispatch that quoted President Truman's press secretary, Charles Ross, as saying that President Truman has no knowledge of any secret project by this government that would give substance to the existence of such objects. Ross also said that both the Air Force and the Navy deny that such objects My name is Noelle, and I want to formally apologize to Chelsea only right now because I forgot to put on deodorant today. Ooh, and I'm Chelsea. Uh, Like most serial killers, don't have a sense of smell, so it doesn't bother me. Oh, that's good. I'm also sorry to anyone listening because I'm wearing my shitty mask today. (laughs) I thought you were going to say because, you know, not wearing deodorant. Also that, but mostly because I'm wearing my shitty mask and I can tell it like hinders... The way I sound. I'm not wearing my most comfy mask either. This one just like, it doesn't allow enough space for like sound to really travel. Yeah. Like this one's like, it's like a cardboard against my mouth. Like Mm. it's just there. Yeah. Slightly wet. Mm. Like just absorbs everything coming out. And at uh, least it looks cute. Thank you. But just not my most comfy mask. Yeah. It'd be like that. This is like when my laundry, I got laundry to do mask. I feel you. I feel you. Um, anyway, so excited. I'm, actu- I'm actually genuinely excited to talk about this um, because I think that there's like, there's a few things in what the topic we're covering today that it feels like there's no information out there about it. Like, first of all, And not a lot of people... So we're talking about Jane Mansfield and Anton LaVey. And the conspiracy of the curse. Um, I've always known about Jane Mansfield. Always known about Anton LaVey. I know about the Mansfield bar. I know the Anton LaVey and his little Satan outfit. Did not know that they kikied at all. Oh yeah, they definitely kikied. Did you... I have a pin of them. Have you seen it? No. Oh my god. Is it the one where she's drinking from the goblet? No, you keep talking. Okay, so um, how this happened was Noelle was like, oh, um, we need to talk about this. And I said, okay. So I I, uh, went to Bing. I had no fucking idea, actually. That's a very tricky pin, unless you know what you're looking at. I know. Well, that's the thing about, like, so not just Jane Mansfield and Anton LaVey, but, like, Jane Mansfield herself, I feel like people don't know who she is unless you're a film buff. Mm-hmm. You're in some sort of a queer community mm-hmm. or you're in some sort of alt community. Yes. Because like no one else really knows who she is. And um, like, cause I want us to cover Jane Mansfield, Anton LaVey, and then them together and the curse and conspiracies around them. Yes. And um, I think like, I would like to start this off top talking about, Jane Mansfield in particular, because I do think that like not a lot of people know who she is and quote me on this on record on paper. I'll die with it. Like, I think she's the icon. I think oh, yeah, she, she's cool as hell. She is the she is more iconic than Marilyn Monroe. Um, And also, I would say that you probably know Jane Mansfield if you don't think you know her from that photo alone where she's is she's the blonde bombshell at the table with like a really low cut dress and then there's that brunette woman just like side-eyeing her 
Yeah. Like, right looking. And you're like, oh, that's Jane Mansfield. Yeah. It's like a black and white photo taken at like some sort of, looks like an award ceremony. Yeah. They're at a dinner table. And Jane Mansfield is looking just like bubbly blonde bimbofication and then this other really popular i'm blanking on her name as well brunette hollywood actress who's more like high and tight hoity like sophia loren or something is giving her the, the side eye. biggest side eye and also it's an it's an incredible photo we all know her as the mother of the best woman in the world it's true quote me on that i'll it's fucking true. fight you it's true uh eat your heart out Ruth Bader Ginsburg Mm -hmm. because she, Miss Jane Mansfield, is a mother of Detective Olivia Benson of (laughs) Law and Order SVU. Yeah. Marishka Haggerty. Yes. Mother. Jane Mansfield. Oh, yeah. It's like there, there's so much in pop culture that you don't even realize is fully from jane mansfield the way she fucking spoke when i listened to her i did not realize how many times i had heard jane mansfield and Mm -hmm. she is the very hmm do you really think that i'm like that (laughs) um yeah that's how she fucking spoke yeah that she did that that was how jane mansfield fucking talked she was like this over-the-top character who had that iconic squeaking moan of excitement and these mm-hmm. like breathy one-liners like the way that she talked and did like that like mm-hmm, and like it was trying to like cutie it up while yeah. being this like over sexualized thing like that became like a part of the culture and it yes. was exclusively from her so um jane mansfield actually went from broadway to hollywood which is crazy to think about when you look at her because she's so amplified she's like Mm -hmm. a caricature of herself but that also makes sense because she the one thing i appreciate so much about jane mansfield is that while she was this over-the-top character she was always in on the joke yes she fucking played everyone just so well because she was so fucking smart and well let's go a little bit into her background and some of her intelligence and like her accomplishments like before she really hit it yeah um so jane mansfield was born vera wayne palmer on april 19th 1933 i wrote down 1993 that is so wrong in Bryn mawr pennsylvania um she had a pretty comfortable childhood her dad was an attorney and she had inherited basically a million dollars when her grandparents died mm-hmm. um she always wanted to be like the next shirley temple and she worked kind of hard in her studies like she was a b average student which was fine but mm-hmm. she was astute enough to make sure that she really thrived in the eclectic stuff so math science and things like that she always did fine but she wanted to have that draw so she focused really hard on taking ballroom dancing lessons she studied multiple languages ended up being fluid in five Mm -hmm. and then was phenomenal on the violin yeah um she was like a bit of a savant when it comes to like that right brain shit mm -hmm. like she would go on to study um philosophy at ucla and have like a's and b's for grades and be this like kind of you know how true savants don't really fall 
Oh my God. Who's calling Your you? phone is blowing is up. that me? Slack. Oh, fuck um, It's like raid hour and Pokemon Go and people are like, where the fuck are you? Not, I'll just throw my phone away raiding. so it doesn't. Um, like true savants always kind of like steer away from like traditional education. Like they, mm-hmm. they always like yeah. follow the path of it, but they always like end up doing their own thing because they're that good that yeah. they know that they could succeed in other avenues. Yeah, they just know. Yeah. They just fucking, there's something about them where they just know. Yeah. And even with like um, people would ask her questions like kind of silly in other languages and she'd be like, uh, mm, like and like do her little cutesy I really thing. liked your fake German. Um, thank you. It means uh, I'm here to talk about Germany. It's the only German I know. That's I good. learned it in fifth grade when I had to give a report on Germany. You killed it. Thank you. Um, but she was very that like she was like, hell yeah, I speak five languages, but she wasn't going to let you think she was smart. Mm-hmm. She would answer it back and like very question like, oh, is this a question? Um, yeah. So she's very brilliant, and she did get married to her first husband, Paul Mansfield, which is where she got her namesake, Mm -hmm. uh, when she was only 17 in May of 1950 after they met at a Christmas Eve party. And there's a lot of rumors that like kind of surround her early on with this marriage because some people claim that she got married to Mansfield even earlier and got pregnant with her first uh, firstborn and some are even saying that Mansfield married her because her firstborn was a product of date rape and so that's always been kind of like a mystery surrounding it I didn't want to go too much into that because it's not the topic of the episode but not great yeah so it's not great very tumultuous early on and Paul hoped that by her becoming pregnant and being a mom that it would lessen her uh, how you say dreams yeah so yeah in 1961, Paula, she, I know, he's just breathing. God, he's he like, like has a his dick. face planted against the yeah, door, breathing as hard as he can. Yeah, someone by the door, that's why. Um, so in 1961, she attended LA to, uh, or she went to LA to attend a semester at UCLA, and she surreptitiously entered a beauty pageant, but her husband made her resign, which is weird because he put her in a ton of fucking pageants when he was with her, but if he wasn't with her, then it was a no-go. Sounds about white. Yeah, and so they did go back to LA, Um in 1954, where she was allowed to do more of the pageant circuit and did a few modeling gigs. And General Electric actually passed up on her because they thought her boobs were too big. They were a size G, naturally. Yeah, she was a big titty lady. Um, she had some sweater puppies. Paul Shaw. Sweater puppies. I've never heard that before. What? I've never heard that before. What? You've never heard I've it? I've never heard that Yeah, before. it was like two grocery bags full of soup. Oh, ew. Um, no, they were happier than that. Yeah, and, uh, but that kind of led to her sliding in to Playboy. And in 1955, she was Playboy of the Month. She was February. And so her and Marilyn really kind of hit the ground running at similar times. Mm-hmm. Um, where Marilyn was more, I think, on the MGM circuit. Jane Mansfield was more on the 20th Century Fox circuit. Yeah. And... So once all this stuff started happening, her first husband filed for divorce and sought custody of their daughter, saying that Jane was an unfit mother for showing her uh, boobs in Playboy. They both filed for divorce in 1956 and 1957 and were officially divorced in 1958. Um, So on May 3rd, 1956, is when she signed a six-year contract with 20th Century Fox. And um, they really wanted to elevate her as like, the next Marilyn, like the next best. Yeah, she was going symbol. to be not the counterpart, but almost the 
what what we would now know as campy like yeah. she would be the campy version of marilyn monroe it was like what drag queens are to women mm-hmm. like just really exaggerated yeah. like super on the nose obvious about it yeah. um and like, that's what they wanted her to be yeah and she knew it and she Absolutely. fucking did it and i think and that's why i it's kind of upsetting to me the more that like I learned about Jane Mansfield and I like went through a bunch of her films and watched some of her interviews. I was like, this is the woman that deserved to be the icon. Mm -hmm. Not, not Marilyn Monroe. Right. Truly. Like she was funny and she was smart and she was pretty and she had personality Mm -hmm. and there was something so memorable about her like, um, I think of uh, the scene in The Girl Can't Help It where she's walking and she's walking in this like skin tight sequins dress, corseted up in these big ass heels. Mm-hmm. You see Marilyn doing that same scene and it's this like slinking, sexy, choreographed, smooth walk. And you see Jane do it. And it's like she almost has like her wrists bent. Yeah. She, and like and she's doing wiggle. like the little wiggle. Yeah. And it's just like I love it. Yeah, like one I hip like one hip at a time, yeah. like into the room. And you're like, no one walks like that. And people are like, why was she walking like that? Was it the dress or was it the corset? And it was like that was just how she knew yeah. that like she needed to be. Cause there were like the three M's mm-hmm. of uh Hollywood at this time. It was Marilyn uh Monroe, mm-hmm. Jane Mansfield, and then uh Mammy, Mammy Van Doren. Yeah, Mammy Van Doren. And I didn't really know much about Mammy. Um but She's apparently the only one who didn't got die. out alive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. there's that scene in Pulp Fiction where he's like where John Travolta's eating dinner with Uma Thurman and he's like, Oh, we should have sat at the Maryland table. And she's like, Oh, there's three Marylands. And he's like, No, no, no. That's Jane Manfield. And that one is Mammy Van Doren. Yeah. And then he's like, um, I think Monroe's um, got the night off. Yeah. Um, and uh, so Marilyn was very much like, I would say like the personification. And then Jane Mansfield was like maybe the character. And then Mammy was like um, more accepting on the campiness. And she knew like she was like, yep, my star is yeah. rose and fall. And I think that acceptance is probably what got her out alive. Yeah, um, I would say if we're talking Goldilocks and the three bears, like she, Marilyn was the commercial, sexy, uh-huh. blonde, golden age. Um, Jane was the over the top campy eccentric loud boisterous and then mammy was kind of like in between both and she was like thanks for having me Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean right yeah and um you mentioned some of her films like the girl can't help it and too out to handle uh something i found out that was fun was she was the first major american actress post silent hollywood to have a nude scene which was in Promises, Promises. Yeah, full nude, baby. Yeah. Full nude. Uh, her yeah. titties popped up when I was trying to watch her documentary about it at work. And I was Can't just like, putting my elbow up. Like, oh, Jesus, yeah. like trying not to get caught. That's the other thing that I think it's important when you uh, think about Jane Mansfield and arguably what ended up being her downfall is that like, sure, Marilyn and Jane both posed in Playboy topless because that's all they did at the time. Mm-hmm. But... There was something more burlesque about Marilyn where it was more about the reveal and like the looking, like undressing with your eyes. Jane, 
no. Well, and Marilyn Jane was, was an exhibitionist. Uh, yeah, and it was like, oh, at that time, like a woman who's kind of like less obtainable is a little bit more okay to digest mainstream commercially where like someone like James Man Jane Mansfield, like you know that they're fucking looking in the dark, but mm-hmm. they're not gonna be open about it, right? Yeah. And uh that was actually evident in the fact that her film did way better than Marilyn Monroe's Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which is crazy because I've heard of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Yeah. I hadn't necessarily heard of the film um Girl Can't Help It being more successful with Jane Mansfield until I started this research. Well, the only reason why I even know about The Girl Can't Help It is similar to similarly what I said in the beginning, like the people who know Jane Mansfield currently tend to be in alt communities, queer communities or film communities. Mm -hmm. Because um, if anyone knows John Waters and Divine the Drag Queen, yes, she was the amplification Waters version of Jane Mansfield. And even to this day, a lot of very popular and famous drag is in the likeness of Jane Mansfield. Yes. That, yeah, I would agree. That's why I was like, she's very much like the drag yeah. version of yeah. like, if you watch Alaska Thunderfuck walk the runway, you see she does that little wiggle and yeah. then I'm like, Oh, that's the Jane Mansfield. It's, wiggle. It, there's so many, like it, it's insane. Like even bunny, like the really popular drag queen, like uh-huh. it's all Jane Mansfield inspired. She was the start of camp the whole yeah. reason why we have the term camp, we have a definition for it, and drag performers were able to grab from it is because of Jane Mansfield. And um, John Waters always talked about Jane Mansfield a lot. And from him, and like also the coloration of the movie, The Girl Can't Help It, inspired him in a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I found that movie. Yeah. But that's not a common path to take no i don't know her for her films yeah not a film buff and arguably she did more and better shit that was more memorable than marilyn monroe the stuff that i know her from is the macabre type things Mm -hmm. and like yeah with uh john waters fun fact divine uh inspired the look of ursula in disney so if you want to know what divine looks like there you go fucking just ursula think about think about that connection you have a circle you know or more like Mm -hmm. a triangle at the top is Jane Mansfield. At one corner is Divine, and at the other is Ursula. Just, All connected. Oh my God! It's the Illuminati it is. pyramid. <laughs> um, so she met her second husband, the best husband in my opinion, because mm-hmm. it was uh, Olivia Benson's fucking dad, Mickey Hargitay. Mm-hmm. Um, just a few days later, later after her divorce on May thirteenth, or after her uh, signing with Twentieth Century Fox on yeah. May thirteenth, nineteen fifty six. He was a bodybuilder, a solid hunk, and part of Mae West's chorus line at the time. Uh, Mae West is very, oh, doll, like that kind of. like. So you know Mae West. You know her voice, at least. Um, But he and Mansfield got together super quick, and then they got married on January 13th, 1958. And arguably, people who are close to Jane Mansfield said that not only was he the best husband, but truly they believed that that was her soulmate, the love of her life. She never recovered. Fuck out of her. Like, and uh, at a time where it was like, no, you control your women. Like, there were publicity photos of him spinning her around on the beach when she's in like a teeny tiny little bikini. And he's like, God, look at my wife. Isn't she great? Yeah. And uh, it was, they acted together. They did a ton of stuff together. And it was just fucking mutual and professional respect. And, uh, Fucking when two people who truly love each other come together, the stars align in such a way 
that Olivia Benson is born. It's true. And that's like all you need to say. <laughs> it's true. I, I also think like he was such a good compliment to her because something that we haven't touched on yet is how Jane Mansfield's true addiction was to the limelight. Yes. She needed to be talked about. She needed to be seen. It didn't matter how. She was a worse than a Kardashian before the Kardashians were even a thing. Like she would bring press into her home oh, to she, just photograph them. She wrote the book on that shit. She used to be like, I guess I forgot my underwear today. Let me get into my car. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, like yeah. always hinting at it. Yeah. Um, and even like, and then eventually like we'll talk about it was her downfall. Yeah. And uh, the needing of attention um, led to kind of like the downfall of the marriage. Like Jane had an affair in 1962 with the producer of um, one of the movies that she actually did with Haggerty, um, her panic button producer. His name was Enrico Bamba. And then she had another affair in 1963 with singer Nelson Sardelli. Um, She said that she wanted to marry him, but she ended up divorcing um, Mickey in May of 1964. And then, but she was, she was pregnant with uh, Mariska at this time. So they stayed married legally so that the state of California wouldn't rule her little bastard baby. Mm -hmm. Um, But after that, it it was over, over. Yeah. Um, Her third husband this one was a real trip was a man named matt simber he had directed her in a stage production called bus stop which she was also in with hargitay and she and simbers married in 1965 and divorced in 1966 kind of a fast one she admitted to him that she had only really been happy lately with uh the nelson sardelli guy the musician but then she started to turn more and more to alcohol and having more and more infidelity issues she did have one son with matt named tony who ended up being raised by matt and his new wife um, and Tony's the fun one. We'll talk about him later. He's the one who got kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a quote unquote. There's a lot. Jane Mansfield. It's really unfortunate because for how smart and eloquent she was, she the again her true addiction to fame is the downfall of it all. It's what yeah ruined all of her marriages it's what got the kids taken away and eventually it's what takes her her fame and i would even say like her life and it's just like wild to because what other hollywood stories are like that right it always turns into like they couldn't keep it out their nose they couldn't keep it out their Mm -hmm. veins this was no she couldn't keep a camera out of her fucking face like she dabbled in like drugs and alcohol but like when they were like oh she maybe tried lsd it's like okay yeah so did everyone or it's like oh and she was i was like it's the fucking 60s they're like oh yeah she drank but oh she was a great mom and she always took her kids with her everywhere yeah uh was really attentive and her kids have nothing but like good things to say about her and you're like oh okay so she just (laughs) drank sometimes yeah Um, she just drank sometimes so in July of 1966 this is when sam brody enters and this guy is the um crux of the issues yes what jane mansfield needed turn that into a person and make it the opposite of that and that was sam brody yeah sam brody was the the official start of the end he was the emotionally and physically abusive son of a bitch yeah and he fucking played her like a fiddle absolutely Um, 
Like, for example, she was not invited to the 1966 San Francisco Film Festival. And he was like, no, let's go. Let's hang out. Let's go. Um, I'll get you in. So he gets her in as like her manager slash lawyer slash boyfriend. And there's this is a big deal. Jack Mm -hmm. Nicholson's there. Roman Polanski's there at like the height of his shit. Like Rosemary's Baby's a thing. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is a thing. Um, These are the big boys. And they asked her to leave because she was too scantily clad. Yeah, and she was in this dress that she was essentially just falling out of. Yeah, and they were like, no, 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 no. Like, you can't do this anymore. Like, this isn't what Hollywood is about anymore. Yeah, like, I think the thing that happened was Jane got big with Marilyn during a time where the the male gaze upon women and what they did and what they looked like was um accepted in the norm it was kind of that like world war ii looking like era bombshell yeah um and the 60s brought us like rather than having the male gaze of female exploitation the 60s brought the women's empowerment movement and like i'm gonna be sexy but it's going to be on my terms yeah. and how I like it. Mm-hmm. And everything that Jane Mansfield was, was the opposite of that. And to say it frankly, like there was no longer a place for her in Hollywood. Right. Truly like the way that film was going and the fact that she was this over the top kind of like bimbo character. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, you're doing nothing for the culture and the art. Yep. There's no place for you. And so imagine she shows up to this San Francisco Film Festival in the late 60s and she's surrounding these like up and coming, like everything is really like groovy. And then she is almost like the... You, I she's like an s- artifact of Hollywood's yeah, dirty little secret. Exactly. She's like a bruise. She's like yeah. this falling out of her dress, titties everywhere in hot pink mm-hmm. at this like almost like hipster event of yeah. the Hollywood elite. And they were like, get her out of here. And like one thing to remember is that Jane was, you know, they talk about how Jane would go to the Whiskey A Go-Go in LA when Nat King Cole was playing. And she would show up. She would leave her pink palace off of Sunset Strip in her pink Cadillac. And it was kind of like on brand. It Mm -hmm. worked a little bit. Yeah. And then she was still going when the doors were the house band. And she was still looking like that. And it was like cool, but it also kind of like stood out as like... What the fuck's going on? Dude, it's like when people still dress like scenesters and they're like posting stuff and you're like, but we don't do that. Like, yeah, we don't do it anymore. It's like we don't praise what that's about <laughs> anymore. Like the music's cool, but like we're not. We're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like even when you look at some pictures of her like dancing at the whiskey, literally like the, like the 60s acid like rock era imagine like jim morrison screaming into a mic and then she's in her little like housewife dress yeah doing like the 50s arms born out of time yeah with her big blowout well like what is happening like style icon like mia farrow at the time like rosemary's baby comes out and everyone's like i want that pixie cut Mm -hmm. i want to wear like sweaters with like the fucking collar underneath it i want like pin Cut it was like pants. sleek and mod, earth toned, really yep. kind of like toned down. And she had that like 
Mars attacks. Yeah. Blonde blowout that looked yeah. like it was seven wigs packed on top of each other. Yep. And then, um, so this is really where kind of the late 60s is where Anton LaVey enters in. So yeah. I'm going to let you speak with your authority oh, on please. that. Like, you let me cover the blonde bimbo bitch. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to say um, something. So when she, before we get on to Anton, um, it's really unfortunate to know that uh, Jane Mansfield, not only did she have the times were changing and her shitty ex or her shitty husband who was also like her manager lawyer financier mm -hmm. which is why she was like stuck so many times she would scream about wanting to leave she even told anton levey i want to leave him but i can't he controls everything oh yeah he controls all of it and um he really fucked her over in more ways than one um one of them being she was a movie actress um fox dropped her after she had kids she was trying to have like a bit of a comeback and they were like, hey, we don't have a movie for you, but we've got this TV show. Oh, yeah, You're going to be painful. playing a woman on a deserted island. And then he, Sam Brody, was like, you can't go to TV. Mm -hmm. You're a movie star. You can't do TV. No way. And turned it down. And guess what that fucking role was? It was on Gilligan's fucking island. It would have. We all know about Gilligan's yeah, island. It would have put her on the Hollywood, like, elites forever in history yep. and instead it became the official nail in the coffin mm -hmm. to like the end of the era of jane mansfield yeah she would just be like he has my life in his briefcase mm -hmm. and i can't do anything about it yeah um so as we mentioned before um jane mansfield is in san francisco in 1966 um getting kicked out of the San Francisco Film Festival in a bit of a negative publicity moment. Mm -hmm. um, but again, our girl Jane loves, loves the limelight, whether it's good or bad, but she's really on the down and out. So what does she do other than hit up our good friend, um, creator, creator, founder, <laughs> high priest of the Church of Satan, Anton LaVey. And he looks like a baby dressed up like the devil at all yeah. times. I do. <laughs> he he just does. just a fucking adorable. He is a little hat with his little horns on it. Party City Count Dracula. <laughs> so, so fucking cute. I want to talk about Anton LaVey in a similar way that we talked about Jane because both of them, I think, not only because of who they were and what they did and then them together, kind of like, I don't know, puts a spin on it that doesn't belong. Mm -hmm. So... Anton LaVey, he was gaining popularity in San Francisco, um, not so much because of the Church of Satan at first. Um, he was a musician, he was a police photographer, and an animal trainer in the circus. Um, and truly, he was a musical savant above all. He could pretty much pick up any instrument and play it. He was most known for his organ playing, and even in his youth was performing in San Francisco for big, like big wig gigs mm -hmm. and in concert halls. Um, he was convinced that music was a true form of magic. And this is where um, Anton LaVey and the Church of Satan kind of gets a little like wonky. What are we talking about? Because he'll, he'll talk about music in the sense of it's the true form of communication that everyone can understand. Mm -hmm. And you're like, that's beautiful. That's eloquent. And then yeah. he'll be like, and it's a true form of magic. As in, if I play the piano, 
so violently playing songs only about whether I can make it rain in like a hurricane. It's like, okay, Vanya, Umbrella Academy, right? white violin bitch, like, chill out. You you know, it's he, he's so weird. Like in, and I want to make that clear. Like I I am not a fan of Anton Lavey uh, and the Church of Satan. Um, I th- and I think he's a fucking cosplaying clown but i'm not it's not lost on me the fact that like he is the foundation that laid for the future um but anyway he he does a lot of that weird shit like he's like magic wink and you're like but wait is it real i don't know um it's like when bob ross is painting shit and you're like you just fucked up the painting what you had was beautiful and you're like oh wait you made it look good wait no you fucked it up no it looks good what yeah he really it really hurts um Anton LaVey grew up in a not-so-religious household. Unfortunately, it's something that uh, resonates with me pretty, like, almost verbatim. We grew up in homes that our parents had experienced religion and chose not to do it, but our Mm -hmm. families had different stripes. Like, there were atheists, there were people who were Jewish, there were people who were Mormon, there were people who were Catholic, people who were Christian, Seventh-day Adventist, whatever, like... The gamut is in the family. And, um, but his parents not really choosing to follow any sort of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously growing up in San Francisco, easy. Yeah. Didn't really have to. And you get exposed to everything. Yeah, everything. They, they didn't really care. Um, and his, his mom would describe God to him as another word for nature, which mm-hmm. I thought was also really cool and awesome and yeah. hippie of the times. His grandma was actually from Transylvania, so it seems fitting that, like, he is who he is. And Mm -hmm. she would essentially be his stepping stone into the occult and the ooky spooky. Um, And by occult, I mean, like, old-timey traditions that you would consider, like, weird magic. Yeah, like salting the door. Exactly. Things like that. Um. Anton was also big into and open with his sexuality and sex in general and would talk about how he had like his first sexual awakening at like six years old. Um, But that's not great. Um, While it sounds cool because like we like sexual acceptance and that was a big pillar in the Church of Satan. um, He had a major fucking piss fetish that he developed as a child. That's what happened. He was like with a girl at a party and she pissed her pants and he was like, yo, I love that. <laughs> and it, it became like, <laughs> just like, what up? What are you doing later? Yeah. He was obsessed <laughs> with it. It even has like terms coined in the church of Satan. And he thinks it's like one of the most powerful things you could do is like piss your pants as a woman, like specifically. And it, and it became a big problem when he would try to spy on women in public restrooms and even in the black house, um, which is the house that he owned in San Francisco and painted black and then became the headquarters for the Church of Satan. Um, if you went to the bathroom in there, it had a, a sign that said, smile, you're on camera. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just all the wells are fucking sticky. Yeah. And just it was terrible. like not great. Um, Anton would be performing at the circus obviously as i said he was an animal trainer really obsessed with big cats had like a black leopard as a pet and also Mm -hmm. a lion as a pet like pre-joe exotic he was joe exotic um and then he was hired to play the organ um at both the circus and for some evangelical groups Uh, and he would say right you Mm -hmm. like that he would say this is where he grew to have disdain for religion because back then 
in like the 50s and 60s, the circus and sideshows in San Francisco specifically were like kids in the day, adults at night, Mm -hmm. you know? And he would see the same men throwing cash and groping performers at sideshows in the Sunday services that he was performing at, preaching hellfire and damnation for the same shit they were just doing the night before. Mm. See it. Tale as old as time. As old as time. Cher sang about it in Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. Exactly. Just hypocrites, man. And he said this is what keyed him into the massive hypocrisy of religion. And right here, I want to stop and remind us all that this sounds really cool. Um, but let's not forget that Anton was 25 when he dated and then married a 15-year-old. So, like, just so you know, uh, this is your not-so-friendly reminder that he's, he's not... He's a piece of shit. <laughs> he's a piece of shit. He's not as groovy as we want him to be. Um, so... In the early 60s, Anton gained popularity by hosting lectures at the Black House. He would have lectures about love spells, bondage, horror movies, vampires, and kind of like everyone came to these lectures, um, police officers, lawyers, Mm -hmm. like politicians. It it was essentially like a panel at a horror convention. Yeah. Like you would just... It, and it was becoming such a fucking hit that, like, I think they charged, like, 250 at the door or something. It used to be, like, a members-only club, mm-hmm. and then it became kind of, like, an open discussion. And it would get so crazy, like, people would be watching through the windows. Yeah. Just he, to, like, take a, take a little look-see. When he was very much, like, the Mormon mom of Satanism, he would say things like, evil backwards spells live. Yeah. Kiss face. Like, yeah. very, that kind of stuff that I think was really digestible for people who mm-hmm. were just... Like, they could be curious, but he knew when to dial it down to make it more digestible. Yeah. He's like, yeah, come to my cool black house. My house is black. Isn't that cool? And people be like, yeah, Satanism. And then they could go home and they could absorb just that. Yeah. And um, the thing about Anton LaVey, which is why he's kind of like harmless in a way, is what you saw was what he was drawing inspiration from in pop culture. Like he, Anton LaVey's digestible Satanism was just like the Adams Family, the Munsters, like Boris Karloff and the Man Who Smiles. Like it was just everything ooky spooky. Like that was his shit. Even like one of the old, like original, like movies about Satan, Haxon, mm-hmm. like the outfit with the widow's peak like cap of the devil and the little cape like that's where that's from that's an anton lavey costume yeah it's all what i would call party city satanism yep it's cute even like the old like dracula thing he's like i'm from transylvania where yeah. the devil lives and he was like cool my grandma's from transylvania i'm from where the devil mm-hmm. is like it- he reminds me of um in the movie hocus pocus the guy who plays the quote-unquote devil but he's just someone's stepdad in the suburbs yep that's what i think anton lavey is like yeah like that's what he is to me he just he's just a guy who's yeah he's just like he's cosplaying satanism and then you hear about some of the stuff he did um on par with satanism and it was really just like a philosophy of individuality yeah but it was so punk rock at the time yeah for sure and like that's the thing i really like want to hone in is that he was 
he was truly cosplaying Satanism. Mm. And it's really funny that people like just his name causes such a stir. Um, so obviously he was blown up with his essentially like DIY horror panels. And he decided that he was going to form the church of Satan. Um, Satan more so being a derivative of the original term Satan, meaning like the opposite, mm -hmm. nothing to do with, god and a little dude with a with a little tail and horns right more to do with individualism and um being the opposite of religion's hypocrisy um april 30th 1966 he shaves his head in the way of the old executioners and declares 66 as year one of the year of satan and um, this is buns we hear this in rosemary's baby we sure do of which also, he was the consultant. other thing is like Anton LaVey was a fucking whore, just publicity whore, just like fucking Jane Mansfield was. So it makes perfect sense that they link up, which I'll talk about later. I wanted to talk about Satanism rules real quick, but um, like everything he did was a publicity stunt, mm -hmm. like all of it. He, he was in so many movies and he was like helping produce movies yeah. and like he just any he was on tv all the time like what come on man you know what i mean like yeah he, he was, was he was like a little... technical advisor on movies and yeah he was like i was the devil in rosemary's baby yeah, i played the, the eyes the rumor the yeah rumor. i want to believe it i believe it so but like where <laughs> jane mansfield was like cosplaying like a uh, sex pot he was like cosplaying a satanist like, really literally truly his, cute, his fucking outfit so cute it makes so much sense like how how they would get together and the thing i wanted to point out like with some of the um the uh, the 11 satanic rules of earth and the nine satanic statements are like some like this is what satanism was to him so uh rule four of the nine satanic statements Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates, which sounds fucking cool. Mm -hmm. um, and you think like it's all about like this individualism and choice. And the big thing about like Levian Satanism as it would become to be is kind of like got this spin of what I would consider like toxic masculinity on it because um, it's very much about showing strength and being ruthless and mm -hmm. relentless. And, um, sometimes, I don't know. It, yeah. He was it's like, weird. Christians don't sin, but I'm the opposite. So I'm going to be the best sinner in the world. Yeah. I was like, be oh, the, okay. If you're going to be a sinner, be the best sinner on the block. Yeah. It's like a famous Anton LaVey quote from a TV fucking appearance. Yeah. And it's like, oh, watch out for Mr. Badass over here. These are, um, so I think that the nine satanic statements are kind of stupid that I think that was his first draft. I prefer the 11 satanic rules of the earth. Um, number one, do not give opinions or advice unless you are asked. Number two, do not tell your troubles to others unless you are sure they want to hear them. Number three, when in another's home, show them respect or else do not go there. Number four, which honestly think about that one when we talk about the curse later on. Yeah. Number four, if a guest in your home annoys you, treat him cruelly and without mercy. <laughs> Number five, do not make sexual advances unless you are given the mating signal. 
<laughs> What's that? Just, just like a, a bunch of winks and stuff. Jody Arias just bending over and showing her butthole. <laughs> Number six. Do not take that which does not belong to you unless it is a burden to the other person and they cry out to be relieved. Number seven is a weird one because at first you think like LaVey is all about like rationale. Mm -hmm. And then you hear this. Acknowledge the power of magic. If you have employed it successfully to obtain your desires, if you deny the power of magic after having called upon it with success, you will lose all you have obtained. So he'll spend like an entire book talking about like being smart Mm -hmm. and science and logic and then he's like but magic if it does work it's kind of cool yeah he's creating his own god and calling it magic exactly eight do not <laughs> do not complain about anything to which you need not subject yourself number nine do not harm little children number ten do not kill non-human animals unless you are attacked or for your food number eleven when walking in open territory, bother no one. If someone bothers you, ask him to stop. If he does not stop, destroy him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's... I think it's... When you hear about the quote-unquote curse, but then you also know that LaVey is a fucking attention whore mm -hmm. um, cosplaying the devil... And then you also hear him say, like, magic might be real. It, it kind of makes you go, like, pick a lane. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And also, it sounds like he retroactively wrote all of those rules specifically because uh, Brody pissed him off so bad. Right? Like, like listening straight. to some of those, like, mm-hmm. Like, for it all, honestly, like, comes back. And yeah. You might recognize Anton LaVey for any of his pictures in front of his little altar with big titty blonde girls, tits out, and he's in a fucking cape doing weird shit. Um, he wanted attention. Um, he held the first satanic wedding, satanic mass, just naked girls on altars. It was all very performative. And honestly, like, he helped bring in, like, the 70s devil becoming commercialized. Yeah, and it was very cute because he would do the, this, like, satanic wedding. And then the next day, the people had to go get a marriage yeah, license. Like, they're just, like, thanks, man. Now we have to go get married for real. It was it was silly. Um, so, knowing both of them individually, and as we kind of touched on before, it's, it's not, at this point, it's not hard to see why they would link up. Mm -hmm. They are opposites but equals. Yes. They're like the yin and yang sign. If the circle that contains them is the need well, for attention and yeah, spotlight. Yeah, and even biblically, you have, like, Satan and the Whore of Babylon that's, like, the personification of, like, a sex symbol. And that's even something that happens all the fucking time. You see it time and time again in, uh, um, like, mythology, like, even with Beowulf and his mom. Like, mm -hmm. that's, like, the first story. And his mom is this, like, beautiful woman. And then Beowulf is this monster. You always have, like the devil and then the the beauty yeah like a thousand percent and there were of course a million things drawing them to each other the fact that like LeVay was very much so like sexual freedom 
And Mansfield was like kind of fighting for that to come back in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. She was at a low point in her career looking for the next high. And LaVey was in the block ready for a photo op. Yeah. She wasn't like looking for Satanism, but she was definitely looking to know more about herself and weaponizing that like sexuality of hers a little bit better. And LaVey was offering all of that. He's like, yeah, come to me Mm -hmm. if like, and we'll fucking fix it like immediately through ritual, which is so easy. Like it's, uh, it's like for someone like Jane Mansfield, who's like, I'm at the end of my fucking rope. I'll try anything. Like this is the next step. Yeah. And and it's perfect. Like, You look at those ritual photos, quote unquote, that you'll see of like Jane in like this light white outfit with her blown out hair, kind of like on her knees, like holding onto a chalice or a skull and Anton is above her, pouring it into her mouth or handing something off to Mm -hmm. her, like next to the altar in their living room and he's dressed up as Count Chocula. And it's all staged. Oh, yeah. It's like... Like, if anyone was to look at that and be like, oh, my God, I'm witnessing, like, behind-the-scenes footage of Satanism. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a prom photo. Yeah. Where they're like, all right, now look look, get, look, look engaged. And you're like, ah. And then it, you get the photo, and you're like, terrible. Yeah. It was like these photos. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's hard to say. Jade Mansfield looks perfect in every photo of her ever taken. It's um, true. But you're like, oh. Like, it almost looks like a Vanity Fair article. Yeah. Like, it's a it very really does. cute acceptable like satanism at its worst yeah is like but which is simultaneously its best like if a church wanted to show satanism that's what they would pick because it's the most pg-13 thing like look at this man dressed like the devil it's and this girl's in go-go boots right and it's so silly and like even though there was something like silly and staged about those photos and even their meeting all together and the publicity it would draw there was like a lot going on behind the scenes and like LaVey was giving her spiritual and philosophical comfort. Like Mm -hmm. he, if there was anything he could do and like also Jane Mansfield throughout her life, as she was trying to grip for reality, she was willing to flip flop all types of religions. Like there was a point where she was going to be a fucking Mormon. Like she literally, Oh, like Judaism, mm -hmm, all of it. Yeah. All of it. She was like, whatever. And there was something about, Anton LaVey's like Church of Satan which really was just about individualism and the power to make things happen for yourself and belief in yourself that gave her comfort and they genuinely became Mm -hmm. good friends and he was a confidant to her which is why we know like obviously through other friends as well that she had such issues with Sam Brody but she went to LaVey and was like because he he hated Sam Brody yeah Anton hated hated Sam Brody. And obviously because the moment the pictures came out of Anton and Jane, everyone was like, they be fucking. Yeah. And that's still unknown. It's unknown, but everyone close to them will say it would be weirder if they didn't. Yeah. Because uh, you know, why not? And uh Jane was there really to explore sexuality too, like mm-hmm. in that sense. And Anton probably was the one to fucking give it to her. Um, normally, I'm like, ew, they she cheated on her her partner, but I'm like, ah, whatever. Yeah, with uh, Sam Brody. Who I feel like that's shit. what you do when you go see Anton Levey. Like, yeah, no one's going there because they want marriage counseling. Like, to save you're it. gonna go to McDonald's and not get the fries. Yeah, fuck you, man. You're lying. Like, you're wrong for not doing it. Straight up, though. Um, 
And so I like to think that, yeah, they had something going on. Like people are like, oh, yeah, he made her a high priestess. And some people are like, no, that was a name only. Like he just wanted her. He was trying to help her be elevated. And this was getting her in the newspapers and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's just really crappy because we don't really know 100% what went on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, And this it was only October of 1966 where she uh, goes to the Black House for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then. She passes away in 1967. So this yeah. is like a fucking whirlwind of stuff that happens. Yeah. Um, and where it kind of started to go wrong was um, Brody decides to go to the LaVey house because he's curious to what Jane is getting up to. Mm-hmm. And he makes so much fucking fun of it. And he sees a skull candle in the main parlor. And remember, this is like a church for Anton. This is how he played it. Um, mm-hmm. So he lights a skull candle in there. And this is part of the the rules of LeVay Satanism, like you don't come into my house and disrespect me and you definitely don't disrespect my magic. Yeah. So he told Brody that what he did was so atrocious, not only to him, but also to his home and to his magic and to his religion that he has a curse on him and was going to die within a year. Yeah. And not only was he going to die within a year, he was going to die in a car crash within a year. And he said that he told Jane Mansfield that the curse was so fucking potent that she needed to leave Brody or she would get it too. Yeah. And, um, some people are like, no, like, uh, not like this was just him trying to get her away from Brody because he was jealous and wanted to have sex with her, or this was him genuinely concerned for the curse. I don't think it matters at this point. I think yeah. that, um, once you put that thought into someone's head, like you've created a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And all Anton LaVey had to do was plant a fucking seed. Yeah. Yeah. Like a thousand percent. It doesn't matter if Anton actually believed in the curse or not, or he was doing it just to try to get Jane away from Sam, it it really like, it doesn't matter because it perpetuated like yeah. the nonsense. But also keep in mind that even despite like the curse, um, Anton was still friends with Jane and was constantly telling her to get yeah. the fuck away from also- him. How shitty do you have to be for Anton LaVey to be like, the voice that of dude sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you got to leave him. Like, I I have nothing that I want to hear from Anton LaVey. If he leans in and is like, your partner's a piece of shit, I would be like, you know, maybe my partner's a piece of shit. You maybe, know, like, maybe that, I should that look really makes you like look twice. Like, yeah. if the personification of like, I guess evil at the time is telling you that something about someone that you're with that they suck. You got to kind of listen to it. Yeah, you got to you got to maybe take a look in the mirror. Yeah, you <laughs> just take a step back. Just and be like, like this, maybe. Why does he think that? Um, and even like even the rumor of the rumor of the curse was fucking published. It was like it was very public knowledge that like yeah. there was beef between Anton and Sam Brody. Yeah, they were writing like newspaper articles about it. Yeah. Like oh the Satan fights for love, and it's like oh, and they were saying that like she was like a high priestess all of a sudden, and yeah. she fucking loved it yeah so she's not going to dispel anything and that just kind of caused the rift between her and fucking brody to get even bigger yeah because it's a constant reminder that this devil dressing cuck with a 15 year old wife Mm -hmm. is like banging the sex pot of the century yeah and you're just sitting there you nerdy lawyer with a briefcase it's true and also, um, from her friendship with LaVey, as we mentioned earlier, he had a pet lion who lived at his house in San Francisco. 
um, that became the talk of Jane's kids. Yeah, Togar. Togar was the name of the lion, yeah. And they were like, I want to see a lion. Like, I want to go to Anton's and I want to see a lion. Yeah, like, I want to see. Anton has a lion. Why don't we have a lion? Yeah. We just have this pink fucking palace. Yeah, they did. She, it's so unfortunate that it's no longer. Uh, I'll, leave, I'll leave that for the end of the story. But um, so. But there's this, a long line. This lion, I know I know what you're going to say next, but I just want to point out this fucking lion, Togar, ended up going to Tippy Hedren, who took him in because Anton couldn't really take care of him anymore, mm-hmm. uh, who had a. a a wildlife reserve for animals mm-hmm. like him. So it wasn't like he was going to be another pet. He was going to go on to be a cat. He got his uh he got his lion mate pregnant who they ended up naming after the author of The Exorcist mm-hmm. and named the cub Billy. Yeah, after him and it's all all of it's connected. All of it's connected. The Guess lion who? son of Anton LaVey is the father lion to the exorcist lion. Uh-huh. And uh, Anton LaVey, didn't they say he was involved with The Exorcist too? Didn't yeah. Like he was like a he, consultant. Yeah. He did it all, man. All comes down. So. I know. It. But anyway, her kids were fucking obsessed with lions. They were. And so what does Sam Brody do? He's getting cucked by Anton LaVey, by his mm-hmm. wife, and he's getting cucked by Anton LaVey by his own fucking kids and this fucking lion. So what does he do? He takes the family to a private zoo called Jungle Land where all of Hollywood's performing animals lived. Like the MGM lion. Yeah. Was there. Yeah. He was there hanging out. So like all the poor animals that were like high-key abused. (laughs) Yeah. This is where they kept them. Yeah. I honestly, the sad, zoos are already terribly sad. This one, worse. Yeah. And only celebrities and rich kids could go there, basically. Yep. Fucking nightmare. And I also think it's kind of, we're about to talk about (laughs) what happened at Jungle Land. Like, if you thought naming your kid Zoltan, which was the name of Jane Mansfield's yeah. son, was the worst thing that would ever happen to him. Surprise. Think again. Surprise, motherfucker. So, they're at Jungle Land. The paparazzo are there taking pics of Jane, and they're posing her with these monkeys, and it's real fucking cute. And, like, remember, this is rich kid Hollywood animal sanctuary. So, like, the animals are just, like, out. Mm-hmm. Like, handlers are taking the animals out. They're showing the kids. The animals go back in. It's very, it's like a, it's a VIP experience, if yeah. you will. So as Jane is getting um, photographed, they're like, okay, let's get one with the whole family. And they can't find Zoltan. <laughs> little, little Zolt. Little, little Zolt. Zolt. Little Zolty. <laughs> Such a stupid name. It's so stupid. And the reason being, we'll soon find out, comes from blood-curdling screams because Lil Zolti thought it would be a fucking great idea to break into the lion's cage and go hang out with Mr. Simba. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Simba wanted nothing to do with Zolti. No. Nope. Straight up mauled his fucking ass. He wanted a ass. kid kebab. He and did. he got it. He was like, oh he my God, raw. you're the perfect size to put in my entire mouth. So the unfortunate family outing was sabotaged by Zoltan getting mauled by a fucking tiger. And um, he's immediately taken to the hospital. Uh, they honestly, when they approached him, they didn't even know if he had a fucking pulse. Yeah, <laughs> like, they were like, oh. They were like, oh, shit. Um, but he did. So they took him to the hospital. <laughs> and they they bring in a priest and they're doing last rites. They're like, he's not going to fucking make he, it. He got meningitis. That's a shit where people get it. And then like two hours later, all their limbs are gone. Yeah. Like he was fucking sick. Yeah, he was fucked up. And what does Jane do? 
She's at her wit's end. She doesn't know what's going to happen. She turns to the arms of her lover, Sam Brody. No way. What? Never. Not that guy. She turns to Satan. Absolutely. Oh, like you do. Absolutely. She calls up the only man in her life that has a a, a lick of compassion for her Mm -hmm. and says, Anton LaVey, my son was just mauled by a fucking tiger. (laughs) He's like, no shit, was it mine? And she's like, no, a different one. Different one. But he's like, who'd have thunk it? Huh. Right. Um, And she was like, do anything and everything you can. And he was like, okay, but if you sign yourself over to the devil. And she's like, motherfucker, done, deal. We'll do it all day, every day. She pulls a Sabrina. Her Mm -hmm. hair gets lighter. Yep. Lipstick gets darker. Yeah. (laughs) Black headband for no reason. (laughs) And Anton LaVey climbs the top of a cliff in San Francisco and screams out for the healing of good old Zoltan. Little Zolt. Zolt the Dolt. And miraculously, some would say from dark divine intervention, he recovers. Like, dare we say almost instantly. Almost overnight. Enough to solidify correlation and causation in Jane Mansfield's head. And honestly, anyone around to be like, man, maybe I, that vampire guy is up to something. Right? I would, this would get me. Absolutely. I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, definitely one of those things where I'm like, miracles are real. Yeah, and the miracle is the devil Anton Levey in a a children's onesie <laughs> in a cake, <laughs> screaming at the sky. Also, I love it. They're like he climbed a, the tallest mountain. I'm like he climbed a hill in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. up. He it's climbed like, to the top of Golden Gate Park. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> it's like lightning stop. and thunder. And he's like <laughs> screaming to the sky. I like to believe it. I'm going to choose to. It was nice. Yeah. Um, so something else we should also kind of let you all in on is that in between the time that Anton LaVey uh, said, fuck you, Sam Brody, you're cursed. Sam Brody was in seven different car accidents. Yes, the legend of seven car accidents on the famous Sunset Strip. Yes, because that is where um, Jane Mansfield's gigantic pink palace mansion was. It used to be one of the biggest fucking houses in Hollywood. Look it up. It's fucking insane. Um, But the dead man's curve right off of Sunset. Yeah, she literally lived off of dead man's curve. Yeah, it was not great for her. Wasn't great for someone who... Potentially was fucking someone who had a curse about getting killed in a car yeah, accident. Yeah, and she kept lining him up, and Anton LaVey kept knocking him the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Like, not only did he bring back um, little Zoltan, but um, her well, her ex-husband, Matt, had taken baby Tony. And mm-hmm. Anton's like, I'll get him back all of a sudden. Um, but before that happens, like, Sam brings him back. And so she's like, oh, shit, like, I have what I want. I feel bad. I want Sam to be here, but he's getting in all these fucking car accidents. Mm-hmm. And Anton keeps telling me he's the one doing it. Mm-hmm. And some weren't some, they weren't all just fender benders. Like some were actually a pretty big deal. Like he got broadsided and knocked out of the car and like mangled his leg. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh fuck, I got to stay with this guy. Cause he's cursed by my like devil boyfriend. Yeah. Which was the unfortunate thing is that like the accidents, which I mean, if we want to believe the conspiracy curse was supposed to keep her away from him, 
just brought her in closer. Yeah, she she just was feeling bad. Mm-hmm. I mean... And Sam was doing the thing that, like, people do in these relationships where he's, like, a super piece of shit and then he'd make it kind of okay. Like, he'd bring her Tony back. That's kind of okay. He's got her on a USO tour. And Jane Mansfield was, like, very pro-soldier but, like, Mm anti-war. So she was all the fuck about going over there. Yeah. But she couldn't handle... She couldn't handle the terrors of war either. No. She, She couldn't... It was also like this was this was the this was the end for Jane Mansfield and the revival at the film festival didn't work. She was essentially like a laughing stock of fucking Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And Sam came back to her with like one last Hail Mary, like I'm gonna bring you overseas, we're gonna do USO shows, it's gonna revitalize your career. And all of a sudden, fucking, like, Jane Mansfield is in Vietnam and is like, yeah. Oh, shit. And it was kind of good for a second, but then it also went super terrible because the soldiers got so fucking rowdy that they just had to cut mm-hmm. the tour short. Yeah, like, they, they couldn't be in the presence of Jane Mansfield yeah, without they had to acting take her, like a bunch of babies. Take her the fuck out. And, and, you know, she was either quoted or misquoted saying she would she would have rather perform for the Viet Cong. Yeah. <laughs> Well, then, like, she tried, like, they interviewed her about it, and she was like, well, I don't know. She's like, and this was really sad because she was talking about how much it broke her heart. One of these uh, guys who was in Vietnam, she was talking to him, and he was, like, a Mm 24-year-old, and he had gotten his legs blown off. And she said the thing that broke her heart the most was that he felt so proud for having served his country. Mm -hmm. And she was like, she's, and she kind of was like, so, yeah, so what if I want to perform for the Viet Cong they probably feel the same way yeah and that was like a peak of like the intelligence of Jane Mansfield coming through she went on about war and the horrors of war and how terrible the war was that they were fighting and how pointless it was yeah and it fucked her up it got that was done she was fucking she was done after that it was so bad like that even Sam Brody decided when they got back that he was gonna apologize to Anton he's like fuck it I'll fix whatever they even went to, um, they took him to dinner at like a nice restaurant. And then he was like, yo, my bad. Uh, mm-hmm. Can we please take the curse off and all this stuff? But guess what happens on the way home? Gets in a car accident. Jane and Brody crash into a fucking tree. And it wasn't a huge deal, but it was still Anton like took credit for it and was like, no, I'm not forgiving you. Like you came into my house and my home. And then he was like, Jane, get away from him. Yeah. I'm not lifting the curse. Yeah. And... So as the curse may or may not have still been on from Anton and as Jane Mansfield all but ruined her career completely by talking bad about war. Yeah, you couldn't. You can't they did not do like that. people. They did not like people criticizing no. war at the time. She ended up having to work these like essentially hot girl sits on old man's lap shows in the yeah, South. Like dinner theater dinner theater mammy van doren uh who was like the other m of the trifecta was like she was down for it it was like elvira level camp yeah it was like it was campy b horror like b movie like that's what she knew she was gonna do from she accepted the fate she knew that there wasn't a place for her mammy knew there was not a place for her in hollywood anymore yeah and she was totally fine being like the b movie gal and doing these fucking Mm -hmm. dinner shows she had no problem with it. Jane did it because she had to with hopes that it would open up a door. Yeah. Back onto the big screen. Yes. And then um, 
one fateful night, Mammy asked her, like, yo, can we switch gigs? Like, will you take my gig for me? And Jane was like, yes, I'm going to treat it as a vacation. So she, Sam Brody, and all her kids went south. Um, you know, and uh, Sam could not drive to the next gig, however, because of his leg yeah, from the previous was, car accident. Yeah, literally still fucked up from the previous car accident. And so they had to hire a driver to take them to New Orleans so that Jane Mansfield could make the TV gig. Um and this is where we get to the infamous date of June 29th, 1967. They're driving to New Orleans. In the front seat is um, Jane, the driver, and then someone else a part of the show. We'll just assume it's like security. Jane had like her two chihuahuas with her on her lap. And in the back seat, her three kids lay sleeping. Mm-hmm. And it was also on this night that a semi truck in front of them comes to a halting stop. And the car in which Jane is in does not stop, slams straight into the back of this semi-truck, can opening the convertible, mm-hmm. instantly killing the three adults in the front and a chihuahua, unfortunately. Yeah, they showed that chihuahua for like 50 yeah. seconds. And they I was sure like, did. Jesus Christ, yeah. take it off. Like, I know it's sad that three adults died, but just like the innocence of like animals dying always hits so much yeah. harder in your You're heart. Like, Jesus. And thankfully, because her kids were sleeping in the back seat, laying down, um, they survived the crash. If they had not been, if they had been sitting up, they also would have most likely have died. Um, this is where people like to say um, Jane Mansfield was decapitated. And it was the end of the curse of Anton that it was such a powerful curse that it bled from Brody to Jane and ended up taking her head off in a car accident, which seems very devil-like, but Mm -hmm. um, not the case. It was just by the time the police had showed up, all they, they weren't able to clean up the scene too well. And what they did see was like the top of Jane's scalp in a giant fucking wig on yeah. the hood of the car yeah she was kind of more like like just gently scalped yeah but it was the force of the yeah and that they call it mansfield bars now the back of a semi so that like you can't go under it in the way that she had yeah um but here's something fun please is on the morning she died Anton was alone, cutting up pages in a German magazine of himself. Like, mm-hmm. he had laid flowers down at Marilyn Monroe's grave, and he was just such a famous slut. He was very much like, yes, I'm going to collage my myself, which, you know, get it, whatever. Yeah, there was also what we forgot to mention was Anton likes to say that before Marilyn Monroe was Marilyn Monroe, and she was, like, stripping and posing nude, um, and still was Norma Jean, that they mm-hmm. had a relationship. Yeah, he inserted himself into everything. Yeah. Uh, so he was saying that while he was cutting out a photo of himself, he flipped the page over and he saw that he had cut through a picture of Jane Mansfield's head. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, he said he got like a super sinking feeling in his chest and then immediately got a call saying that Jane had died. And on, Anton felt that this was the fruition of his curse, like manifesting before himself to let him know that it, it had been done. Yeah. Which, you know, believe what you will. Yeah. It, uh, it's it's interesting. And it's also like this, the two of them, like Jane had her pink mansion castle and he had 
the Black House, one in L.A. Mm-hmm. and the other in San Francisco. They're kind of like these star-crossed lovers full of conspiracy yeah. and context and weirdness and exploitation and publicity and both of their respective popularized homes were demolished within like a year. Yeah. Like church of Satan goes down 2001. Jane's palace goes down 2002. Yeah. Which is just like, sounds about right. Mm -hmm. And then her death really was like the end of female sexuality movement. um, Because then it launched that sensationalism, like of what she was launched immediately into like the women's rights movement. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and she was only 34. Like, she is a baby. Yeah. Which is weird because, like, you hear about her life and all the stuff she had done. And you're like, oh, fuck. This all really – all of this stuff that we talked about, um, the beginning of, I guess, the end mm-hmm. was from – it was only, like, a 16-year time period from mm-hmm. the time she got married the first time to the time that she died. Yeah. It was only, like, 16 years. Yeah. It was all pretty quick. Um, when she signed with 20th Century Fox, that was 1956, and then five, six years later, they've cut her out of the picture. Like, mm-hmm. everything in Jane Mansfield's life was so fast. Um, and there was a lot of occultism to that, too. Like, they described Jane Mansfield as an Aphrodite, um, and they were saying that there's always two curses of aphrodite one is that she will never get old Mm -hmm. and for jane mansfield she'll never get old because she died young Mm -hmm. and then also she can make you feel so special but like is never satisfied so she gets this slew of men who are so in love with her and Mm -hmm. but then she she's on to the next yeah on to the next one like she never has anything serious um and so one thing that I wanted to point out now that the episode's kind of wrapping up is how often the number five occurred in Jane Mansfield's life. Um, almost essentially everything was in May. Um, let me do this, find all. So I should have done this before. <laughs> Are you just trying to do like a control search? I was of- trying. Anyway, like May is when she gets married to her first husband. Um, May is also when she signs her contract with um, 20th Century Fox. She met her second husband and got married in May. And then um, she spoke like five languages, number five. She got divorced from her second husband in May. Um, Everything was just May, 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 May. And there's a lot of stuff that wraps up with that. So in occultism and Satanism, numerology does have like a certain place that it, it it holds within the symbolism so the number five occurring in jane's life essentially has a meaning and part of it is that the number five in numerology means death and numerically it is also associated with the goddess aphrodite which is who jane mansfield was always associated with mm-hmm. um and then think also too of like the five pointed star and so a lot of this stuff comes into play and then you have when Jane Mansfield dies, everybody's like, yeah, no shit because she was flirting with the devil. Mm -hmm. And it's this like ultimate, like just diminished what she was and Mm -hmm. really just what made her so successful of being like this female sexual symbol was also her downfall. So like, yeah, she was basically banging the devil. Mm -hmm. 
And then that's the shitty end to Jane Mansfield. It is the shitty end to Jane Mansfield. And I think when when I looked back on everything and I tried to figure out why this like effervescent, bubbly character actor was kind of like taken out of icon status. Mm-hmm. There is no conspiracy that it comes down to the last year, the 66, 67 years of her life before she died and her relationship with Anton. Yep. Because the fall of Jane professionally was that there was no longer a spot for her in Hollywood based off of who she was, her oversexuality, kind of like that male gazy golden age girl. And... No one could really say that outright, but yeah. what could they say? She was fucking the devil. Yeah. And she got what she deserved. Mm-hmm. The, and then it ended up being like the curse of Jane Mansfield. Yeah. It wasn't like all the men who fucked her over in her life. Um, It wasn't like... The backhandedness of Hollywood. Yeah. Like... Kind of like the the anti-feminism of the feminist movement leaving these women behind and not making a place for them in the new era. It was never about that. It ended up just being, you know, she made a deal with the devil and it cashed out. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's like the backhandedness of feminism and feminism only works when it works for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they, like she was just reduced to like really a shell of everything she was. And then you hear about like how she was with her kids and like every gig she went to, she was bringing her kids with her and she drove with her kids. And like, that's like unique in Hollywood. It's just people parenting their own children. Yeah. And then her kids are like, Oh yeah. Like Sam Brody was terrible. Like he used to beat up on her oldest daughter. And it's like, fuck dude. Like she was just surrounded by bullshit. Yeah. She was like a, pretty little light in the darkness yeah and yeah all snuffed out it's true and legend has it if you listen closely you can hear the scratches of jane's mansfield on uh the top of her coffin because her mother had her buried in pennsylvania and there's nothing jane would have wanted more than to have been arrested in the hollywood forever cemetery yeah so that's it yeah there it was. Tragic. Anton LaVey and Jane Mansfield. You know, I never knew, like... Like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Like crack in a pipe. Yep. Jane and Anton. And you know what? Fucking Olivia Benson. And Olivia Benson. Pouring out of it. Law and Order, Special Victims Unit. Yep. Honestly, think about that. Put two on that. Yeah. Without this, you wouldn't have her. It's true. She was in the fucking car. She was in the car, and there are also pictures of Anton and Jane and her. Yeah. Love it. Love so, to see it. We love that. Also pictures of her with Sam Brody, that fuck. Ugh, also, fuck, fuck the guy Brody. who bought Jane Mansfield's house and then sold it for development. Truly. Fuck him. Rotten hell, you motherfucker. Um, so I think this, you know, I, I won't give a hail Satan. I'll give a hail Jane. You know, I'm going to say hail pickle juice uh, for a shout out to my friend Disco who passed away. She once brought a mason jar full of pickle juice over to my house and we just drank it. So hell yeah. Uh, also had a sh- unique funeral that may not have reflected the woman I knew. So those tend to happen in yeah. this state. 
but you, you uh, know someone as they were and they know someone yeah. as they was but <laughs> man badass powerful women leaving all too soon uh big theme yeah big theme but man glad to have known them hell so thank yeah you, jane and thank you disco always better for you yep better for knowing you pour one out for the bitches pour today. one out all, all all day always for the homies paul you're being such a 